Hi there. So we are doing our next podcast now, and it's our podcast of life with no filter. And today's topic is social change. We're very um, excited to discuss this, and we're here with Rod Maxwell, Vanessa Robinson, and Brooke Trotter. So let's kick it off with talking about social change. I mean, the first thing I had was um, the statistics of how people are in society today in the UK. I mean, it's, it's one in four people at the moment that suffer from a mental health issue. And those statistics are just normal people. So whether you've had a brain impact or not, it's, it's quite a high statistic. And in the world, there's like something like 790 million people that suffer with this kind of condition. And it's um, the second largest source of burden of disease in England. So it's, it's a huge topic. And like I said, whether you have a brain injury or not, it's, it's a massive um, thing. And social change is part of that. Um, I myself experienced it when I went back to work um, after suffering a subarachnoid brain hemorrhage. And it was, I saw the change in myself. I saw the change in who I was as a person, but also I did feel a lot that people towards me were a little bit different. And I don't know if it's because they didn't understand that my personality had changed a bit and I was a little bit different or that they just didn't, and know how to react towards me. But it's, um, it's a great topic to talk about. So Vanessa, how was your experience on this? Well, I can say that I felt like a, a ghost of my former self. My, um, everything that I d identified with was just taken away from me. You know, I was no longer working. Um, I wasn't interacting with any friends, limited family. Um, the responsibilities that I took on as a, a mother and a wife, I couldn't fulfill. Um, and I think when I was in hospital, you know, after the initial few weeks, months, um, it does become a safe environment in that, you know, someone's giving you your meds, someone's helping you, you know, go to the loo or whatever. I mean, when I came home, uh, I couldn't get up and down the stairs. Um, I wasn't able to cook. Self-care, you know, I had to be reminded and helped with that. And certainly all the medication I was on, um, somebody had to do that. I couldn't possibly have done it myself. Um, and emotionally, I felt um, isolated because I'd lost my previous sort of life and purpose. What, so initially, you know, I came home and I had all my um, rehabilitation in the community. So every day, one or two... Um, medical people used to come to the home and you know it was physio, physio or uh, occupational therapist or something but once they've sort of deserted you and you're on your own you're literally on your own but you've had everything taken away from you so I didn't attempt to go back to work I always thought that I could um, and I kept um, putting it off and thinking and saying well in three months time I'll go back and this three months just kept rolling and rolling and rolling um, but 
I think I overcame it by finding a purpose um, to getting up in the morning and I felt so incredibly lucky for still being alive um, and the, the charity that helped me the most initially was Basic in Salford and um, my husband and I took on decorating one of the meeting rooms there you know painting and decorating you think well that's a fairly mindless task it wasn't actually um i lay down on the dust sheets and slept for two hours so that's that's obviously um wasn't working um but i did do run um several charity evenings to raise money raise funds for basic and i raised over ten thousand pounds which even now i'm really proud of you know that I could do that and with a, a, a brain injury. So um, that came me going. Um, does anybody else like to, to talk here? I can, I can relate to you there with the um, coming up, being in hospital, everything's kind of, everything's done for you. Everything's, everything's like planned out, set, uh, set out for you that, you know, your days are all, all planned. And you do, I didn't really sort of realise that I had massive fatigue. I suppose, like, I didn't really realise, I suppose the, the real recovery starts when you come out of that, um, when you yeah. come out of the hospital environment. I thought, I always, I've always had this overconfidence in me, that I, I thought I'd just be, I thought I'd be totally fine. Um, <clears throat> I went to, the, one of the first things I did was I used to work in a bar and, um, on Deansgate Locks in Manchester. And we went to, I went to sort of meet with all my old friends from the, the bar. And it was like a Tuesday lunchtime or something. It was the the, the music was on really quiet, and um, it was just that was the first thing that got me. I just I remember I couldn't I couldn't sort of stand the music, and um, being around people, you know, like three maybe I don't know maybe ten people were there, and all like you know you you plan these things in your head and you think you'd be you think you'd be you imagine yourself being a really good host or really good at speaking to everybody but it just i just found it all totally overwhelming and um it's like i hate to add i hate to say to say the, the new normal because it's it's kind of a coronavirus thing but it's it, that is absolutely you kind of have to get used to your new body and what's what's like what's normal about it and, yeah. Um, acceptance. Yeah, acceptance. And I, to be honest, I probably still haven't fully accepted it. Now I still think I can do more than I can. <laughs> and um, that you were like, remember, I was just, I was just because brain injury. There's no like, you know, there's no big obvious thing that's wrong with you. Um, it's kind of all internal, isn't it? And I remember trying to prove putting so much effort into proving that there was nothing wrong with me, you know, that, um, and that was totally normal and that in itself becomes not normal, doesn't it? So I, um, I became like quite paranoid and yeah, it's just, you, you kind of, you kind of like, I don't know. I think it's like overthinking, isn't it? You really yeah. like overthink every situation and you really overthink what people are thinking when they probably aren't like everyone <laughs> quite busy in their own lives and everything and i think that was one of the things for me as well i used to overthink every situation 
And it was my husband that noticed it and said to me that like you're doing that thing again where you're just like thinking of every single different scenario that's going to go wrong rather than just just but i used to think feel really guilty because i wasn't working and what would other people think yeah why was i worried about what other people thought but it was just Uh, these Mm. Rod said that. I, you, I, 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 I had survivor guilt almost because I, I, yeah. I was thinking that, you know, I look absolutely fine, and you know, I, I can, I can speak and do all those things where people might have expected somebody who's had a brain injury or brain surgery not to. And I, I, I really struggled with. Um, I, I I had a bit of survivor guilt for a while. Um, so and and at the same time, I was trying. I was mourning my old li- my old life. So I, I just made partner in three months before I uh, had my surgery, and that was a big life changing thing for me on a career level. And I'd worked so hard to get there, and I, then I only had three months of that, and I, I struggled with that because I felt like it had been taken away from me. And and that that I deserved more time with that, and I I that's what I was working towards, um and and actually the 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 year I was the second time I went for that, that's when probably my tra- challenges were at their worst. You know, I was I was I didn't realize why I was struggling with the process of making partners so much, and it was because actually my brain wasn't functioning correctly and i was forgetting stuff and uh, but I, I definitely had a grief period where i wasn't accepting at all where i was and at the same time i felt paranoid that actually i looked fine and people would have thought you know what's wrong with this guy he should be back at work and even you know walking down the street i looked fine you know of course people don't know what's going on in your head i had that it was just like a, a, a mixed bag of of emotion really and and i think it's this acceptance thing i i you know i had to accept that actually my life had changed and and then i turned my back on all the stuff because i just thought i can't deal with it i can't deal with going back into work and and dealing with all of that and uh I, I made this sliding doors moment in my head. I justified it saying, right, I'm just going through a door. My old life's different. I'm not looking back at that. I'm going on with a new life. You think you've accepted it now? No, I, I don't think, think I have. I'm 13 years in. I don't think I've accepted what's happened to me. No. I, I, I still think I try to fight it and to push it. And then that's where I hit the wall, fatigue or whatever, you know. it's. Uh, yeah. I, I, I don't think... I'm not... I think you, in your mind, you still think you can do all those things. So my background is sort of in systems and processes. So um, after I failed as a painter and decorator at Basic, I then uh, tried to help the Stroke Association, and um, they want they asked me if I would um, update a database. Well, that's just you know bog standard, and I well. First of all, I went into their office to try and do it. And that was just, there was so much noise and distraction. I just couldn't do it. So then they set me up working from home and I still couldn't do it. And I couldn't understand why, because in my mind, that's what I could do. But I just couldn't read, you know, I couldn't read a spreadsheet, couldn't read a database. And yes, I would have been able to do this 
no, standing on my head before. Did you think it was because of your brain injury or did you make other excuses? Well, no, because it was the Charity Stroke Association. I think they re we both realised that it wasn't working out. Um, that's the thing. It was, I was help, trying to help the right people. It wasn't as if I was in a commercial environment where they'd be saying, well, you know, we're going to sack you because you can't do it. I was just talking on like a, an acceptance level. Like I don't, I don't, I don't think I have agreed that it's because of my brain injury that I can't do these things. I just think... Well, maybe I hang everything on the fact that it is a brain injury and oh, right, okay. actually it's old age and I've just lost it. But, but, then, I, but I, I was, I was going to say that the thing I, I find now is I can't multitask or multi-think in the same way. My, yeah. my, I, I have to, I, I'm more binary than I am multidimensional. And, and, and if I have too many balls juggling in the air, I actually find that it not only just causes me if you like um disruption to how i schedule things i then it creates an emotional distress because then i get you know uh, I, I get i get annoyed with myself that i'm not yeah. as capable and so i almost have, i have to keep things more binary so that i don't get into that emotional distress that actually it upsets me when i can't get things done if that makes sense one of the first things i wrote was was about that i kind of I described it as like plate spinning you know when people you know you know when people spin plates on on sticks and you've got to keep lots of different plates spinning is that a good analogy or do yeah, you not it is and I, like, I can only tend to i can only tend to spin one plate at once i can't like do something else like a, you know as, as small as it was for me it was um just trying to stay fit and trying to trying to stay busy at the same time. I just you know could do one or the other. I think what you're what you're um, saying is like it's so relatable. But you know, just um, talking about the social change element when you're when you're in an environment, even with friends, and going to a normal place, and you're spinning all these different plates of the music going on, the yeah. friends talking, the, you know, different things that you're thinking about. And also if you're eating something at that place, you know, it's, it's thinking about all those different things in one, in one area. And it's like, it's like a similar thing, isn't it? Information <laughs> overload, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so, well, I certainly accepted that um, in that um, if I go out with friends, um, has to be somewhere quiet because I can't deal with background music or noise. Um, probably up to four people because if there's simultaneous conversations going on, then I end up my brain just closes down. I don't listen to one conversation or the other. I just hear nothing. I just hear, just hear noise. Um, I certainly schedule it in. Um, you know, if I know that I'm going out, then to rest before and booking. You know, I've always rest afterwards. I've always forced myself, I've like in kind of been in denial of that. I've always like forced myself to do stuff. Like um, one of the first things I did was I went to see ACDC at um, <laughs> <laughs> Manchester Arena. And I was on, like, I'm talking like maybe six months after I got out of hospital. Wow. And um, I was on my mate's shoulders and we're in like the middle of it. And I was just, I love ACDC, but I was—I don't think I enjoyed it. Well, I did enjoy the concert, but I, I didn't, if you know what I mean, because yeah. 
I just it was just too much for me. And another one was um, I went like I can't follow. I still can't follow a film. Um, that's the concentration thing. Like I kind of the film's been going five minutes, and I realise that you, you've completely lost it, and you haven't got a clue what's going on. And I mean, the first thing I went to watch was uh, I think it was one of the early James Bond with um, Daniel Craig and the Casino Royale, I think it was. And um, I remember my sister's boyfriend at the time saying to me afterwards, did you enjoy that? And I was like, yeah, I absolutely loved it, but I ain't got a clue what happened. Do you see that find though that, that that's what causes this sort of social, uh, um, I call it distress or social issues because, you know, I, I, it, it's a bit like, you know, you sit down to watch a documentary or a drama series with, you know, with my wife, Helen, and often, you know, there'll be six parters and there'll be one a week and there'll be over six weeks. If they didn't do the little bit at the beginning, I, I you know, I wouldn't be able oh. to tell what it was. But, but the next day, I can hardly ever remember what happened in the episode but then once i get a trigger i'm fine but that, that means that you don't carry over those things to have a conversation about them on a friday night or a saturday night because it's almost in one ear out the other and it's just gone from my memory i i, I find that really really annoying it's in there somewhere though isn't it so if you get if you get like a prompt then it, you do it just it is there it, it, you're right think, you're right i find most <laughs> of um, watching things like I watch something once, not have a clue what happened. Um, watch it the second time, I get a bit more, and then uh, the third time, I'm like, "How did I not understand that in the first place?" It's, it, it, it tends to be the rule of three with me. I think um, you know, with the with the social change and the, the, the social social interaction that has changed within a person after brain injury, you, you sort of um, have your family around you that sort of accommodate and adapt to it yeah. but when it's like friends and you know other people like work colleagues or, or other people it it just changes a little bit doesn't it like I feel like my circle has changed a little bit um because of the way I am and it and it is you just become more comfortable with a smaller circle I don't know if anyone else has found that as yeah. well I've tried to push myself and because I moved to I moved to Manchester. It was one of the, the things I wanted to do, and I was like, I've tried to you know really put myself out there. I've done like things that would be quite scary, like I've been speed dating in town and stuff like that. Wow. I, did, I did that like um, about a week, a week after moving there. I went speed dating in town. It was just it was just horrible, and like you have to. I'm not saying all the girls are horrible. I'm saying like. <laughs> So how it works is like you have like a three minute conversation with each person and like the first two or three I put all my effort into and then and then I remember looking up and seeing like seven more girls waiting to you know for the for who I'd have to go speak to afterwards and I was just like oh my god I can't I can't possibly do this. He, he's, also, he's saying seven because you know that's a good number I think actually. <laughs> all these girls queuing up <laughs> yeah. and I never got I never got one um one anybody liked me probably probably, oh. probably because i was well i was um tired i was twitchy i was just um it's a, it's a great thing to see yourself isn't it like um it's something my dad always says it's i can't remember what he's called he'll kill me for doing this but uh, for forgetting this he's a, it's a scottish guy and he says the, the gift you give us is to see yourself as others see us and um it's 
basically that if you if you if you watch yourself on on the video afterwards um it gives you so much more of an insight like i, I watched one of my speeches once and i was quite horrified and it's you know you you do after you do after um you do have to, you do have to do it like so you have to see yourself to see see what your flaws are but it's i mean one of my stock points i often phone people on an out walking the dog and and i try to keep up with some of my old social circle not not all of them but there's i i am very conscious i can repeat myself i could i may have i if it wasn't for the phone telling me when i phone somebody i, I could phone somebody two days later and say when did we last speak you know, or, yeah. <laughs> and, and then you get in the problems. You you sort of think, well, you didn't phone me, you know. And actually, they may have phoned you two days ago. But I I I almost feel like I have. To, I make. I I almost get apologies in earlier. So I'll I'll say I probably said this to you the last time I spoke to you, and and you know I get a bit fed up with that. You know, it would just be nice to remember the conversation I had with somebody two days before. Yes, yeah, and, and 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 actually, it it impacts because then you don't necessarily pick up on what they said before, and you can't ask them, you know, things that they they had been doing, and then it makes you feel like you're you're like one dimensional. You're one. It, it just I find I find it just deeply annoying, really. One but, one thing I do as well is I start talking, and then I've realised I've completely forgotten what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're trying to try to blag it. That's you should, it happened to me before. You should be on radio. We should, we, should have, <laughs> we should have that sign that's on the front again to say that, please excuse me, I've had a brain injury. Yeah. Like, you don't have to apologise. You don't have to say anything. You just want people to just sort of know straight away. Maybe not a sign, but you know what I mean. Yeah. yeah. It's because it's it's not it's kind of because it's because it's invisible, isn't it? How and how are you ever going to, like you know, if if you break your leg, um, then you know you're not going to walk as well, or you know, and if you break your, if you if you you know if you, if you damage your brain, then you're not going to think as well. So it's it's always going to have a stigma. So why are we so tough on ourselves then? That we've got we've damaged our brains, yet we expect to be how we were before and if you uh, had uh, your arm amputated you wouldn't you wouldn't then... expect to be able to juggle would you so yeah so but i do think that at first i would have quite happily had my arm in a sling when i went out in public so people would give you a bit of leeway yes yeah but now i quite like it because you can be anonymous yeah nobody and nobody knows um well, you could go, you could go and you could say something really rude, and that's because your brain is broken because you're not thinking properly mm. anymore. But it's the social stigma about that, isn't it? You know, people will will obviously dislike that, and so they should. But if somebody was you know wasn't walking properly, then and they had a broken leg, then you would forgive that because they had a foot on it. But mm. you're never gonna. I don't know. Is it ever gonna be solved? brain injury thing i think as well when when you're meeting new people you're sort of because you're a new you when you're meeting new people you're sort of showing people who you are as you are now and it it's sometimes quite nice that you can just be like that and then when it, like compared to say people that you've known before 
and you do say something and it does feel rude to them but when you've met someone new they actually don't know what your personality was like before or you know how you were before so it's and it's quite nice when you do meet people and you become friends with them as the new you if you know what I mean yeah as long as you're not rude to them otherwise you won't be friends with them <laughs> but it was certainly a few years post my um brain injury that if I met somebody new I actually stopped saying hi I'm Vanessa I've got a brain injury yeah because I, I almost had to make an excuse for myself before I said anything um, yeah yeah I, I don't know what I am anymore. That's the thing. I was so used to being, you know, Rod Maxwell, the management consultant. And, and actually that was all part of your, that was, that was your profile basically. And, and I don't know what I am anymore. You know, I, I, I'm, I, I don't feel brain injured, you know, I don't feel like I fit that camp per se. Um, so I did the, the thing I, I find is I'm, I'm a bit sort of, um, rudderless at the moment really and and uh, and you realize actually you sort of need these uh, you you get used to having these tags in your life you know you get used to having these things that help with your identity it helps people know who you are and and i i have to say i have really really struggled uh, with that and and, and you know i i think it's it's it, an our thing it says radio presenter I, I'm not that because I'm not professional at it. You know, <laughs> I mean, I love doing it, and and it's been the thing that's helped me through as long as well as family and stuff. But, but I, I'm I'm not that. I I don't feel like I'm anything anymore, really, in a professional sense. And and but it's only because you don't get paid for it. I think you've been harsh on yourself a lot. I, I know, but I think I think that I, I was so used to for 25 years yeah. of being in a a system and uh you know and 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 you you sort of should feel quite light and you know free and and actually this is the thing that's astounded me is you get so used to being in systems in organizations in structures and people recognizing you for being in that that actually it's not as it's not as it's not as um liberating or, or, or as I thought it might have been, and you know, yeah. I, I don't know whether retired people go through this as well. I don't know, but uh, the it difference is to reinvent yourself, though, isn't it? it, it, I mean, it yeah. are, you know, um, I've rediscovered cooking because I've got the time. Um, walking because I'm no longer allowed to drive, so it came out of I needed to walk somewhere, and then actually appreciating nature around me um and now i've um new things i do i volunteer in the headway shop um i've really got into gardening i've got an allotment um i've started with photography and that started from using my phone to take pictures of things to help my memory and then i started yeah. taking pictures of particularly nature um and that grew from that i've joined a local history interest group so um maybe i've just turned my back on everything that i had before and i've filled it with things that i i well, want to do uh, now not that i didn't i really like my life before but that's been taken away uh, so I fill it with other things Kifisa, you uh, would you say that the writing has done a similar thing yeah so when i started um 
writing. I started with my blogs on my website and then to then do the book, Room 23, Surviving a Brain Hemorrhage. That really was one of the most therapeutic thing for me after suffering what I did. And it really helped me with my like social interaction and social change and uh, understanding what I was going through. I think putting that pen to paper of all those thoughts um, was so helpful. And, and the thing is at the end of the day as well, sometimes I couldn't articulate what I was thinking in like versions of speech with my family or friends or other people. And then putting that into writing, it was just something, it was like a release mechanism. But you know, same as you, Vanessa, I've like really loved going back into some of the things that I used to love before. And that's also grown my social circle as well. Um, so walking, I love nature. I love um, painting. I've started to do again, which I used to do over 20 years ago. Um, and the other things that that's really helped me is yoga and meditation. It's just given me a bit of um, purpose, as you said, but also um, like just thinking about things in you know a methodical way. Um, the meditations really, really helped me. But I, I completely agree. I think it's just when you have gone through something so severe to then come out and you are different, you are, um, your personality has changed, your people around you maybe aren't the same people that you were friends with before, but it's it's a, like learning to adapt everything and then showing people that this is what you like to do now and this is how you want to be now and you know if they want to be around you and they want to continue being there to support you then you know that's amazing but i just think that you know you've just got to it is a sense of adaptation one of the things that really made me think so positively about everything was when I started um, my therapy at the Priory and that was a few months after after my illness um, it was about six months in and I was always questioning okay why why am I different why is my personality changed why why am I not speaking in the same way why do I not think in the same way and it was at that session when I went there, the therapist actually said to me, stop thinking about why, why, why? Why don't you just look at, right, this is what you are now. This is your life now, you know? He also did say, you know, be grateful that, you know, you're here. Um, and I think when, when you think about these positive things and how, beautiful it is for me to get up in the morning and start my painting it's it's so lovely like I feel so exhilarated with life itself and even do my walking groups with my new friends I love it I absolutely love it and I think I just think about those things now and that's you know when I'm lying there and doing my meditation in my yoga class I actually lie there and say I am really enjoying this meditation right now. But do you think that we had these things before, but they were just masked by the fact that we had such busy lives? Yeah. But I, I didn't have 
I didn't think I had time to go for walks in the countryside but I I would have liked it but I would have felt guilty for doing it and I didn't have the time to enjoy it and so having everything stripped back back down and you have the main thing say your employment taken away suddenly you've got 10 hours a day that you didn't have before so it might have stripped you of your identity but identity but it's actually giving you the freedom to choose within reason um what you want to do well i think this is where uh, i certainly count myself lucky in that uh, and there are people who in life you know don't have some of the options i've still got uh, as i am now and there's people i'm sure who've suffered a um, carvanoma brain tumor like me who who are have had worse side effects and and, and can't do as much as I, I'm able to do but so I, I try to tell myself actually you're very lucky you know you're still able to um, move around you're still able to talk you're still able to interact with people uh, and you know the, the things that I've had taken away okay it's different but I'm I, I try to remind myself actually thank goodness for the things I still have you know and and interacting with people and being able to be independent are two of the things that I, I'm I'm deeply thankful for. But you do get those moments where you get into a bit of a downer, and you suddenly you you, you do think, uh, you know, I've lost stuff here. But you know, no, we have to look. We have to be. Well, I'm incredibly grateful for my health now. I think I look after myself much better in terms of uh, fitness and diet and all that. Um, you know, because having had it more or less taken away, so like if you reduce to nothing, then everything that you have got, you're just so grateful for. I just feel incredibly lucky that I'm here, and you know, it goes against all the statistics that I'm alive, let alone being able to speak and do all the things that um, I can do. So. I think where where I'm, I just differ from you three is that I you you already had um, established careers I didn't so I've like yeah. had to become an adult with this thing. Um, I mean I was twenty four at the time, but I was quite an immature twenty four year old. I was um, I'd been I'd, I was a student quite late. I went to I was, I went travelling first, and then I was I think I was twenty two or twenty three by the time I went to university, and I just my life was just going out having a laugh uh, being a student and um I went to what actually happened I was on a night out when it happened to me and um I got you know I was on Portland Street in Manchester and I got run over there and um so I've just kind of you know thing 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 was but you deep. have really carved a career for yourself haven't you yeah. I mean yeah. I bet that 23 year old student never thought that you'd be standing up in front of thousands of people well talking about well, your life and being inspirational well i don't know about inspirational well hopefully no hopefully. no well i find yeah. you inspirational well it's it's um i there i go i forgot what i was going to say <laughs> <laughs> i um no it's gone it's gone <laughs> Well, I, I think I, I was I was going to say that actually, if if you 
it's very easy to look back and think about what you've lost, isn't it? And and you know, I, when I, I I've almost had to remind myself constantly looking at what I have kept and and still can do, and actually what I have gained from this experience. And, and at times, I haven't been as optimistic. I have to say. Um, I was going to say, sorry, I was going to say, um, I've kind of watched all my friends like finish university, get the get the jobs, getting starting on careers. And at the time I've been, you know, one of the main things in my life was going to a memory club at basic, wasn't it? And it was <laughs> learning, you know, learning what happened with us. And um, like I'm now, one thing I've, is a big thing on my mind now is that I'm the only one of my friends without any kids. And um, well, I suppose you have to have a, a partner to have a kid with but it's just I, I do feel it's like affected my life in that way and it kind of taken you out of the norm and putting you in this in this box by myself yeah. I have to, I've had to kind of find my own way it's not um you just you're just not not normal anymore are you and you know I've tried to put loads of effort into trying to prove I am normal but it's just um it's been quite difficult to deal with. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a mic drop? <laughs> all of that. <laughs> well, we are also grateful, aren't we? It's, um, you know, it's really, really important to keep that social interaction going and keep that um, change that's come within us. But, you know, experiencing the things that we love and experiencing all the things that we like to do um to help us give that sort of insight and give that purpose and i think that's what that's what we've just got to take a hold of um and you know if people want to come along with the journey <laughs> the journey of happiness i call it yeah want to come along with that then that's fine if they don't then it's fine also i think i'm quite happy at the moment i was i've started seeing and like it's a neuro chiropractor is called in manchester and one of the things was um you had to fill in a form saying um you know you've got to rate your your happy you know rate things out of 10 and um one of us one of them was um rate your happiness and i put i think it was a seven or an eight and i thought well i'm not that's not bad so where's your happy place <laughs> I don't think it's everywhere. Right. I, don't think I'm I don't think I'm a negative person. I just no. it's, it's um it's it's definitely been difficult to deal with, but I think I'm you know I'm finally coming around. But um like Rod said with the survivor guilt, um, you know, you feel like you should you feel like you should be suffering a lot more, but Oh, well, I think it's you, you. Sometimes you feel like you should be suffering. Then I think you get to the point where you think, right, I'm going to make the most of this. I'm going to just go and do things that I want to do as long as I can do them, and I don't get myself in any trouble. And actually, I, I still do. But but I think that that's where I, I you make a point where you get through the survivor guilt thing, and then you start to look a little bit at right okay so what can i do now you know and and the thing i i find about it is that i've still got a lot of my aspirations my drive i might have less memory so it's still and, and i sort of think right i'm gonna go and do that 
and and you know I'm gonna gonna do radio or whatever it was, you know. Um, thank goodness you don't need your memory for it. <laughs> I suppose as, as like as a young man, I was all these things I wanted to do, and they were kind of, I guess, I guess taken away from me. And yeah. um, there's a, also a side of you saying, you know, at first you were. I was so like concerned with what other people thought of me, but then there was definitely a, I think a, a time when I just thought, well, sod it, it's not, I'm not really that bothered about it anymore. And I'm just, I don't know, I don't feel guilty. I'm trying to make myself happy. And I think that's what you have to do. Otherwise you're going to be unhappy. Aren't you? Yeah, I think the thing is as well, like one of the most important things is especially about like mental health and thinking about, you know, how to, get over that initial stage it's it's just talking it's just making sure that you're talking to someone talking to all the different charities mentioned basic the other charities that really helped me were the brain and spine foundation charity um and also there's things like the mind charity and um others like same you it's just so important to make sure that anyone is feeling in that space or feeling in that way to just keep talking check in with someone yeah check in whether it's family friends charities like just to keep on talking mm. Mm. i think right. on that note we should uh, stop talking wind this on well good to see you all yeah, yeah you too and you right until next time take care Bye. Bye.